You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Hi, this is Eric Johnson from the Dominican Republic. Well, welcome to our second episode. Josh, I'm super excited today to talk about something that you and I experienced in our lives, and we actually experienced a lot of it together, and that is this wonderful topic, deputation. Deputation. You know, isn't deputation that... Isn't that when you you go to Chick-fil-A and Cracker Barrel and you go around to churches and you ask for money? Isn't that what that's all about? That's exactly it. It's it's the best way to gain 40 pounds in one year. Oh my goodness, I agree. That's There's no quicker way to do that. And I have not found another way to get rid of those 40 pounds, but no, deputation today <laughs> is something we're going to talk about. It is probably one of the most important first steps of a missionary after uh, receiving the call from the Lord to go is is uh, kind of getting yourself prepared and then getting yourself prepared by partnering with other local churches from the country you are you live in. And uh, Josh, I know, knows a lot about deputation. He's written some papers on it. Uh, but he and I both have experienced deputation, and we kind of want to kind of talk through this, not only what our experience was, which I believe was mostly positive in both our cases, but maybe kind of talk about some things that new prospective missionaries want to consider um, maybe some things that they uh, that we experienced in the past that were positive that we would say, hey, don't forget to try this. Or maybe even some negative things that we experienced to say, hey, be careful of this. But this idea of deputation where as a missionary is called and sent out from his local church, he'll actually partner with many, many other local New Testament churches in his home country so that he can go overseas and preach the gospel uh, and, and train nationals and start churches. But, but Josh, when you think of this grand word deputation, it sounds like something from the Old West. We think of uh, cowboy hats and sheriff, uh, sheriffs. And well, What does this word yeah. deputation mean? Yeah, I, that word, especially when you sense the call to be a missionary, I, I can't think of a, of a ministry or a word that invokes more excitement and fear at the same time. Um, you know, you're, there's nothing more exciting, nothing more that a missionary loves than being able to share his passion, his calling and his heart with people across the country. At the same time, you have the awkwardness of having to talk about money. And so you've got this catch 22 of a ministry where you're meeting strangers all the time. You love sharing what you're called to do, but then at the end of the day, you have to ask them for their money. And so it's, um, it really is, though, a partnership. And if, if you view it as a missionary starting out, this, it is a great experience. My wife and I, we loved it. Now, my wife was extremely fearful of, of speaking, public <laughs> speaking. She was more fearful of doing public speaking than she was of actually going to Africa. And so I actually um, remember that. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, but all fears aside, um, it is an exciting time and it's really it's it's up to your attitude and your approach to it we had such a wonderful time on deputation and uh, there's some great things we learned there were challenges of course uh but so many blessings and uh, we're going to talk about some of that today but yeah it really is a partnership you're you're partnering with churches uh, you're, you're sharing your vision, your passion, what God has called you to do, and you're inviting them 
into the ministry that God has called you to accomplish. And uh, most churches are excited to get on board uh, with you, which makes deputation a great experience. Well, before we get going too much into the deep in the weeds here with deputation, my, I wanted to add something because uh, my experience, and this was Josh and Julie's experience, but personally from my experience and my wife's experience, you know, we started when we were newly married. Uh, and I think Josh and I have spoke about this before. Our heroes in the faith are these missionaries who have three, four, five, six kids, and they take them across the country visiting different churches. And so our, our experience was very positive, and many of those reasons may be because we didn't have to bring a lot of kids along. And so we understand that our experiences and what we're going to be sharing today is based on that, but I believe a lot of the principles that Josh and I experienced can still be shared. But I do want to say at the outset, my hero, uh, my, our heroes are those missionaries who can take many, many kids on the road, homeschooling from conference to conference, and I, I think those people really deserve uh, some, uh, some applause there. No, there's no doubt about it, and I would love that to be a future topic that we discuss because not only are you taking an entire family on the road to raise support, but you're, you're uprooting your family. Sometimes you might have a teenager, maybe, you know, young kids, and you're uprooting them from everything they know. That's right. I remember when I was 14 right. and we switched churches just down the road and I was bitter for a while just because all my friends were at my old church I grew wow. up in. I can't imagine at that age uh, moving to another country. So yeah, let's talk. We'll talk about that one day in the future, mm -hmm. but it's definitely more challenging if you have uh, a few kids. It was, I always tell people, for us, it was like a second honeymoon uh, for my wife and I, because it was just my wife and I for That's deputation. Right. And so, yeah, we're coming at it. We're coming at it with that angle. But I think there's still some principles and, and experiences we can share that will, that will help. All right. Well, Josh, how about we start off by talking about the, probably the most important thing when we start off deputation, and that's the role of our sending church and how they can get behind you as their, their missionary and they launch you out. Talk us a little bit about your experience and the positives. I don't doubt there were very many negatives, but just the positive things that your home church did for you so you could go have an effective deputation or pre-field ministry. Oh, yeah. I, I can't think of a better sending church than our sending church, uh, Fostoria Baptist Church, located in the little rural town of Fostoria, Michigan. And uh, it, they, they were such a blessing to us. Uh, we joined that church when I was 14. I was actually, it was the same year that I was called to be, be a missionary. I got back from that mission trip and then we uh, moved to this church. And it, like I mentioned earlier, I was a little bitter at first for switching churches but I see now how God was leading and directing in that step to, to prepare me for where I am today in this area of missions. And so uh, my pastor, uh, Bob Wall, he is now the pastor of the church where my Bible college is located up in Canada. He's the president of Faithway Baptist uh, Bible College of Canada. And, uh, but he was my pastor at that time when we were just getting started when I was a teenager. And uh, he's the one who recommended I go to Bible college up there. And I followed that advice. And when we were getting ready to go, he, of course, was on the board for BIMI. Uh, so he's the one who pushed us to go with BIMI. And, um, and then just every step of the way, getting launched right out of Bible college, uh, he hired me as an intern in the church, but mostly he gave me the opportunity. I think I taught a Sunday school. I ran a bus route, 
but I spent most of my time making phone calls. And if, if you remember deputation, so much of your time is consumed with phone yes. calls. And I did a lot of research about how many phone calls it takes. And we'll talk a little bit about kind of how to be intentional in your phone calls and, and uh, how to try to uh, get, get the right kind of contacts. But I, I spent hours and hours every week making phone calls. And, and our church allowed me to do that. They paid me a salary as an intern. Uh, really to set up to go. And we spent about eight months um, at the church and I had a full schedule. One year was fully scheduled by the time we were ready to launch out. Our church covered the expenses for our uh, video, which I made our own video, so it didn't cost much. Our church covered our expenses for our prayer cards and for our display table. They helped us with a trip to uh, do a survey trip. And so uh, they were such a blessing walking every step of the way uh, with where we were at. Uh, my pastor really was my go-to when I began making phone calls. I would I would ask him for contacts and those he would recommend if he could write a letter of recommendation. And so having a strong local church behind you where there's a pastor who's knowledgeable of the process and that they're willing to help you every step of the way uh, is such a blessing. I know the church you guys are sent out of also supports us and they are, they, they'd be my second <laughs> choice if, if I needed to choose another sending church. There's such a great church. Tell us a little bit about your, your church, your pastor's leadership and how they were a blessing. Uh, yes, I, I agree. Um, our church is very missions-minded. I think that kind of started from our pastor, Pastor David Pittman. Our home church is Temple Baptist Church in Herndon, Virginia. And pastor's always had a heart for missions, so much that his son, uh, the Lord called him to be a missionary for over 14 years in Uganda, Africa. And because his son was the first missionary sent out, um, really the, the heart of the church was behind missions and taking care of missionaries because you know Jeremy had grown up in the church there. And so behind Jeremy started coming lots and lots of different families. And uh, our church just, from the very beginning, decided to be very, very generous, not only in their monthly support, but like you were talking about, thinking of other ways in which they can help the missionary get a great start. And uh, without getting into a lot of the details, one of the things that was a great blessing to us was that when we started Deputation full-time, the church actually gave us uh, a significantly amount more than our monthly um, support would be so for those first six months or so we we don't have missions money coming in yet so they kind of prorate it so you can pay your bills and it's just really smart lots of little things like that helping you buy uh, your projector helping you buy your laptop things like that I mean you I know we're going to sound old in anything we say now but we used to have to bring our own projectors we, we used to have to bring all this stuff I know these people now are, are laughing you know and and there was so much I, I don't feel like I'm that old but so much of what we're going to talk about is going to sound like the stone ages but our church was so good at helping us have those things ready really helping us pay for high quality prayer cards and getting the video presentation and putting out displays. And so, um, and I, I want to add this too, because we'll talk about this later, but, but that hasn't stopped with sending out the missionaries. Even to this day, there are things they do for us. Um, they, they have purchased a vehicle that when you come home on deputate, uh, furlough, that coordinating with other home missionaries, we have a vehicle to use on, on furlough, which is just another thought that, you know, pastor and the deacons thought about how the needs of the missionary. And so 
we have um, been so blessed to have a church that takes care of those. And, and I want to add, you know, we have two churches ourselves that love missionaries and are very generous. One maybe from a more populous, uh, affluent area. Yours from a more rural area. But, you know, maybe someone who's listened to this podcast and they don't have a church that's very large or very affluent. It's amazing how the Lord can still work through a smaller church and a smaller congregation with generosity. So just because you don't come from a big church or, or even a, you know, a church with uh, more resources doesn't mean the Lord uh, can't put a burden on your pastor's heart for missions. And so I, I just say make sure in the very beginning you're in lockstep with your pastor about your, your, your needs and your burden to go out and, and connect with other churches. Absolutely, absolutely. St- walking the step-by-step process with your pastor is so important, especially as you're out there uh, traveling, doing deputation. And I just want to mention this. Uh, if you're a pastor listening, um, one of those, one of the challenges of deputation is the time it takes. I mean, it, it takes some guys up to four or five years raising support. And one of the things that, so that I found in my, in my studies and my research was that a lot of, especially couples who are more established and have kids, when they sense the call to go, oftentimes they kind of transition slowly. So they'll kind of keep a part-time job trying to support the family while doing weekend meetings. And that just stretches it out further. I found that pastors are a little Absolutely. more apprehensive to take to take somebody on who's still holding a full-time job. And so I would just say, if you're a pastor listening and, and you have a young couple, a family that they're ready to launch out, uh, just try to get behind them whatever way your church is financially yep. able to so that they can launch out full-time. Um, it, it's not just about, well, they just got to trust the Lord and, and go and just blindly trust the Lord. Jesus talked more about financial responsibility than most other mm-hmm. topics. And I think it, it behooves us in what is the heart of Christ mission to, to be very intentional and, and be good stewards of, of financially taking care of missionaries, especially our missionaries we send as they're getting launched out because a lot of guys don't even finish deputation because they just, they're just worn out, uh, whether it's a financial issue or whatever it might be. And so if you can get a good start, uh, then I think you'll end well. And so if you can dive in with, with both feet going full steam at the beginning, if you have that momentum right away, I think it's just going to help you get your support raised more quickly and and it, it'll keep you from getting discouraged. So I just wanted to throw that out there and something for pastors to consider as as they send missionaries out. What are some ways that you, Absolutely. when you began making phone calls, I'll share a little bit about kind of some strategy I took because here's the thing about deputation and here's the thing about any topic that we're going to discuss mm-hmm. on this podcast we are assuming that you're saturating everything you do in prayer, okay? Without prayer, nothing gets done. You have got to have That's the right. mind and the heart of God. And so if you are not saturating every ministry, every decision in prayer, that's just assumed. What we're doing with this podcast is looking at the missionary perspective and kind of on the human angle, what are some strategies to employ, some some practical steps to take? And so what, what are some of the things you did when you started um, for 
for making contact? Did you have a strategy for who you would call, what part of the country you would go to, or would you just take meetings anywhere? What was some of what you did? Because we both started and ended at about the same time. I think it was maybe 14 or 16 months of raising support. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we left at 100% support from what our mission agency recommends. And so what, what, what's some of the strategy you took for getting launched out? So I think the first thing we did is actually right before we started Deputation, um, we had a lot of missionaries in our church, like I'm sure you did, and I tried to kind of notice who I thought were sharp missionaries. And when I say sharp, I mean someone who just seemed to be able to communicate very well, who had good presentation, who seemed to be able to clearly convey their burden. And so I made a, a, a few contacts with those gentlemen, and I would call them up. And one gentleman specifically, I remember asking him, hey, listen, I don't want this to take a number of years if I can help it. So would you share with me some, you know, if you're supporting churches that are good supporting churches that I should call first before I start calling just anybody? And thankfully, this gentleman and a couple other guys were very uh, good at sharing, saying, hey, here's a, here are the churches that support me. This is what they support at. This is when their missions conference is. And so I tried to kind of start with, Obviously, the churches that were connected with, with me, my pastor, contacts I had, but those will run out quickly, and sometimes it just doesn't work for your schedule. I did try to stay very rigid the best I could with the region of the country we were at. I tried to be very rigid on the schedule if we were in the south at this time to try to keep it. Obviously, there are times when it is, makes sense to travel long distances for a, a nice conference where you feel like there's a good chance to get support. But I think in the very beginning, trying to set up, like you said, regions to start with the connections. And then what I found out through deputation, as I made friends with you, I made friends with other missionaries, um, really to stay in contact with those missionaries. Because, you know, if Josh is in a, in a meeting, in a, in a missions conference this weekend, I'm going to call Josh on Monday and say, how did it go? How was their faith promise? He says, oh, boy, they went over 20%. You know, they're going to need more missionaries. Well, that's the church you want to be making sure you're contacting. And so those are practical steps. Obviously, as Josh mentioned, the Lord opens and closes the door. We want to make sure we're being faithful to the work. I think just to rewind a little bit, I think one of the things I want to encourage is like Josh was talking about, when you launch out, this is your full-time job. Don't think of the next two or three steps. Don't think about what you're going to do with the nationals. And I'd even say not even worry about the language study I do know some gentlemen that were able to do uh, like their master's degree, and I, I applaud them and say, wow, that's amazing how you're able to do that while in deputation. But your top priority is getting that support. And so those are some of the tips I would say in the beginning is how we started deputation. Yeah, definitely. You, you got to work at it. It's, it's work. It's hard work. And um, you got to strategize, <laughs> make those contacts. I, I always tell guys, I remember talking to one of our mission directors And he said that his son, who was born and raised on the field, was raising support to go back to the field. And I asked him, oh, I bet he just contacted all the churches that supported you guys. He said, no, he didn't want my list and he didn't want my recommendations. Like he didn't want my help. He kind of wanted to prove himself and uh, do it on his own. And I thought, not me. If it was me, I'd be I'd be getting all the help I can. And I one of the things one of the things I did is, you know, I, I would look up. Now, first of all, I started with the pastors I knew. So start with your circle of pastors that you've developed relationships with, uh, set up meetings, because you want to get 
especially when you start making phone calls, you don't want to hear no all the time, okay? You don't want to hear, oh, we just can't do it this year, we're just not able to. And every pastor I spoke with when I was on deputation, when I called, if they weren't able to have us in, they were gracious about it. And uh, But when you first start off, it could get discouraging. Sure. So start off with your circle of pastors you know, and then go to your pastor's circle of pastors pastors that he knows get him to personally uh contact them and say hey you got to have a man uh, set up a meeting and then with your director if you're with a mission board right. i would take the director's itinerary and i would call whatever meeting they were going to especially if it was the african director or it, or our uh, the president of our mission i would call up and uh and try to i would try to get the directors to put a good word in for us i would actually have about 3 or 4 or more recommendation letters depending on who i was contacting right. now we're coming from an independent fundamental baptist background of raising support and so That's right. There's all different groups. And what I love about the Independent Fundamental Baptist uh, movement is that we're such, we are a diverse group. Uh, it, our churches are so Absolutely. different. People don't really understand that. I think really only traveling evangelists and, and, and missionaries <laughs> are probably the only ones who really truly understand just how diverse the independent fundamental Baptist world is. Um, we all think that our, our way of doing things is the only way, but we are a very, very diverse crowd. Yeah. I like what you said, develop relationships with other missionaries and, and share your contacts. And, and if you have another good missionary friend, we would always tell people about the Johnsons. You got to support the Johnsons and, <laughs> and, uh, we'd, we'd give numbers of churches Us and, and talk meats. about, that's right. So, um, yeah, but, but it's just, it's hard work. Um, you've got to stay passionate, but brief, you know, when you're making phone calls nowadays, I guess, what is it? Mostly emails and stuff. I don't know how people are contacting today, but, um, you just got to stay at it. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to say that too, Josh, as far as contacting pastors that has changed a lot. Now I've found that it's pretty easy to get a hold of a pastor through Instagram or, or texting or someplace like that. And it used to be, it was really hard sometimes to get through the front door, you know, to get through the secretary. But now I feel like if you stay at it, you think critically, how can I get to a decision from the person who can make the decision? I think that's the thing is we're not talking about eight hours of just picking up the phone book, although that sounds very old. There's no phone book <laughs> right. But, you know, just calling these random churches we're talking about being very smart and strategic about your order and then how you can get your yes, no, or maybe. That's right. And if you don't know what you're doing with a missionary presentation, your video, a website, find somebody who knows what they're doing that can make you look like you know what you're doing. Because uh, I, I coached a lot of, I did a lot of um, missionary presentations when I was in college and then out of college. I put together a lot of missionary presentations for, for different missionaries. I, I had to coach a lot of guys in, in communicating their vision because it's not natural for everybody. So find somebody that when you're communicating through your video, you want it to be brief, you want it to display your passion, and run it by somebody who, who understands that method of communication. Make sure you're communicating something that's concise, passionate, and it gets to the point and that it looks sharp 
and it looks like you know what you're doing. Nowadays, there's so much access to technology that there's really no excuse for, you know, something looking sloppy. And I think most pastors won't give the time of day if you haven't put that effort into making it a good presentation. And so, yeah, today, if you're making those first cold contacts with a pastor you don't know, have a website, have a, a two-minute introduction, send an email, say, Hey pastor, we're going to be in your area. We'd love to be at your missions conference. We'd love to, you know, present to your church. Here's a quick video of who we are. And, uh, in that short clip, just, just ooze with passion and vision for what God's calling you to do. And I always tell guys this with, with communicating what God's calling to, you to do, whether you, it's a video, whether you only have two minutes or 10 minutes in a church service to present, you need to give the impression that it that the people in this church are missing a great opportunity to get in on what God is doing in the part of the world you're going to. And if they don't support you, they're going to miss out on a big opportunity. I always tried to present it in a way that I didn't even have to talk to the pastor about support, but people would come up and say, hey, we need to take that guy home for support. We want to get in on what's going on in Senegal and uh, what God's going to do there. And so you need to learn to communicate your passion. Even if you're monotone, even if you're not a dynamic speaker, <laughs> learn to cultivate communication skills to portray passion for what God is calling you to do because this is a partnership. People want to feel that they are partnering with you in the work because that's exactly what you're doing. And, and you know, it's funny because I, I kind of have this funny experience. Maybe you don't even know is that, you know, Josh, if you were in a conference with Josh, he was very passionate and he's talking about a country uh, in West Africa that most people didn't know missionaries had ever gone there. Most people didn't, uh, churches didn't support it. A, pa a missionary there and so I would be in a conference and I'm going to the Dominican Republic and they probably already support five Dominican families you know and so we not only had to share our passion but we had to kind of show the uniqueness and I think one of the things I always try to tell missionaries that are to say let's just I don't know what the number is because you can be young at 35 but let's just say the number is 30 years old and younger I really tried to say I think one of the reasons we got support it wasn't that they didn't have any missionaries from the Dominican. It wasn't that I wowed him with any speaking ability because my speaking in front of churches was, was very limited uh, before that point. What was really kind of emphasizing our youth, our energy, and our ability to go serve the Lord in, in a great need. And so like Josh says, mention the need, but sometimes it may not even be, it may, like I said, it might be someplace in Mexico where they support multiple missionaries, but it just emphasized the things like that are your advantages. We're young. We have our lives to give to the Lord. And I think as long as you are positive and you are emphasizing those points, I think people can catch your vision. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's the church family where you're presenting your vision, they need to see your passion. Not just hear it, but see your passion mm -hmm. and sense your urgency. Those are the two things that really are key in developing your communication of your vision. This is God's call on your life. And just like any other skill in life, communication is a skill that has to be developed. I remember, in fact, um, growing up, I knew God had called me to be a missionary, but I literally didn't know that that involved preaching until I went to Bible college. <laughs> and uh, I just thought a missionary sat under a tree and taught Bible stories in the jungle somewhere and uh, told Bible stories with pictures and stuff. When I got to my freshman year in Bible college, they asked me, are you going to uh, 
enroll in the preacher contest. I said, why would I do that? They said, well, you're going to be a preacher. I said, no, I'm going to be a missionary. <laughs> and they said, well, you got to, you still got to preach. I said, oh, really? I, had no, I guess I just hadn't clued in. But unfortunately, Eric, missionaries get a bad rap of being not very good preachers. And kind of the joke is if, if you can't, if you can't preach, uh, then you go to the mission field. I've heard pastors say that, and uh, it's unfortunate. Now, I will say that God will place somebody with specific personality types in different countries because they're a great match for that country. Not every country likes the American-style preaching. Um, preaching doesn't mean you're, you know, you're— Preaching has to do with the message. When we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's the message. It's the gospel. It's not your, your ability. It's not your style. American preaching has a very distinguished style. Um, but that being said, you can still develop communicative skills. I remember one pastor said to me about another missionary who was going to Canada. And he said, what about this guy? Because I knew who he was. He said, he's coming up here to Canada, but I just did not sense any passion. And I, I just don't know. And I said, well, look, his, his, it actually wasn't a pastor in Canada. It was a pastor in the States. And he said, I just don't see his passion. I said, look, his personality is going to fit perfectly in in the country he's going to he's he's not a loud boisterous american um so god has called him and has fitted him for where he needs to go so you don't change what you are just to try to appease a certain expectation but learn to cultivate your abilities and, and become a better communicator you need to work on that and make sure people understand what you're communicating. They can see your passion and sense the urgency that you have got to get to the field. Yeah, I think communication is just so key. Learning how not to communicate with the head, lead pastor there, uh, the staff, when you get a chance to meet the staff, maybe um, as well as when you're standing by your display table talking to members of the church. You know, you have to be a person who's very interested and being willing to explain what you're going to do, but also be very interested in that church, just like you would in any relationship. And I think it goes a long way in uh, showing that you want to have a partnership. And so, yeah, I think communication is so key in every step of deputation. That's right. And, you know, it gets monotonous. You're given the same presentation. You're given the same speech, the same testimony, and you have to make it fresh every time, even when you don't feel like it. You know, even when you don't, when you're miserable, your kids have been fighting. I remember one time on furlough where we just drove 10 hours to get to a church. We weren't even dressed for church yet. We, we pulled into the parking lot. It's about 15 minutes before the service begins. Fortunately, it was a good friend of ours who was pastoring the church, but we literally were changing in the car. I'm putting my suit on. And I mean, we're just, everybody's, you know, chaotic. And then you step out and it's, Hey pastor, it's great to see you. How are you? Man, we are so glad to be here. And you're, you're not, you're not feigning that passion. It's, but you have to each time just trust the Lord, ask the Lord for that strength. And also just understand this church hasn't heard your testimony. They haven't heard that, that, uh, what what God is doing. They haven't heard it from you yet. And the Lord is worthy of your best and of your, your top every time you go into it. I just had uh, that this conversation with my son today who was struggling in school. 
a little bit with uh, his siblings. And I told them, look, you, I said, Tristan, you don't have to feel like doing school today. Uh, you can feel grumpy and that's fine, but you have got to decide to have a right attitude and you have to let your attitude overcome your feelings right now. We have to be led by our attitude, not by your feelings. And so you may feel grumpy. You may feel like, oh man, I got to do this again. When we were in California, we were in church. I think it was 24 days straight. We were in church uh, with conferences and meetings, but oh yeah. And so it's just a matter of, uh, you know, the Lord deserves your best. The Lord deserves this. And this church deserves uh, they're, they're giving their time and the pastor is giving your time. And so let your attitude of humble gratitude always be at the forefront. I tried to remember before I went into every church, we don't deserve this opportunity. We don't have to be here. This church didn't have to have us come and present. They don't have to take us on for support. And if you keep a spirit of humble gratitude in every church you walk into, your attitude will overcome whatever feelings you have in that particular day and allow you to present uh, just as fresh as the first day you started presenting. What are some ways that you tried to keep it fresh yourself? Well, you know, as far as, it was, like I said, for us, we enjoyed it because we went traveling to see parts of the country that we had never seen before. In fact, I got to experience the Grand Canyon with a Mr. Josh Mead and Julie Mead there. And, and so those were great experiences. Um, but I was going to say, one of the, as we transition maybe to another question as well, which is, um, some people, it's really difficult, this idea of going to talk to other churches and basically ask for money. How do you ask for money tactfully is one of the things we were going to talk about. And truthfully, uh, Americans, if you don't know this, if you've spent time around the world, Americans are very generous. Like I am overwhelmed by their generosity. Um, you go other parts of the world, it's not as prevalent, I feel. Yeah. Uh, Americans, I mean, they don't know you. And they're just generous with this idea of you're going to give your life to serve others. And so that's one of the things, if you can help reset your your gratitude as you were talking about with your son, is realizing these people don't know me from Adam and they are getting behind us, giving us their hard-earned money. You know, I worked secular jobs. I dug ditches. I worked as an electrician's assistant. I know what it's like to get up real early in the morning. And, you know, deputation's not as tough as it seems when people are buying your lunch and, uh, (laughs) you know, sending you a love check. So if you can kind of keep that perspective. But, this idea of how difficult it is to ask for people's money, I think if you think about it in the way that I'm receiving this money, that is kind of difficult. But when you think about this is not for me as much as it is for the future church planter, the future chairs we're going to be buying for the church, the future church building, the future bus route we're going to have that lead people to the Lord. I think if you can convey that burden that this is this is not being put in my pockets, this is for the future that churches can last for generations. I think that always helped me convey. And then I've never at once asked, say, can you give me your money? It was always, here are the needs. Would you pray about them? And it's amazing how the Lord will work. I don't know how you handle that or how you presented that in your own, in your own heart. Yeah. When I was young, of course, I knew at an early age I was going to be a missionary. And most, most missionaries I talk with, a lot of them sense that call at a young age. Mm-hmm. And I began reading missionary biographies, and one of the things that challenged me as a teenager was Hudson Taylor and how he would 
prove that God was going to take care of him before he even went to China. And so if his boss didn't pay him a paycheck, he wouldn't, he wouldn't ask him for the paycheck. He would trust God to provide it. And he would give all of his money away one month and just watch God provide. And so those things I began doing deliberately as a teenager, uh, giving to faith promise missions. Um, I remember giving a large lump sum of money uh, right before I went to Bible college, uh, put it in the offering for missions. And then, um, and then the Sunday before I left, we took all the cash out to take up to Canada. And I took another like $2,000. My parents probably didn't know this, but threw another $2,000 in the faith <laughs> promise just to trust God. And of course the exchange rate was really good and it helped cover most of the first semester. But then, uh, in de- but just watching God provide, I was in college where I couldn't make money directly as a foreign student. So all of my money I did make working on campus went directly to my school bill. So any extra funds I needed, whether it was doing laundry or whether it was uh, getting a haircut, God provided that every step of the way. It was amazing. And the first Sunday that I was at Bible college, the first Sunday, the first message was preached from Malachi 3 on proving the Lord. And I said, all right, Lord, I've got, after paying my bill, I had $600 left over. I said, Lord, this is 600 cash to cover my expenses. I'm going to prove you that you're going to take care of me. And I put it all in the offering. And every little detail was taken care of that entire year to where by the time I was ready for the next year, the next year was paid for. And I mean, it was just amazing how God provided. So when, when it came time to launch on the deputation, there was no question in my mind, God is going to take care of us financially. One thing about missions is God has obligated himself to not only take care to fulfill his word, but he's obligated himself to take care of his own resources. When you surrender to God, you become a resource to God. It's not just about giving your money or supporting a missionary. When you give of yourself the way the Macedonia church did, they gave beyond their power because they gave themselves to the Lord. That's when you go from making your resources available to God to becoming a resource for God. And when you become a resource for God, He's obligated himself to take care of what is his. And so money has never even been an issue. It's in it. And I honestly don't think it should be. I know that God blessed because, because at a young age, I proved God by obeying what he said. God said, prove me and he will. And so if you're a missionary starting out, God, God's going to take care of you. And like you said, I, I never even talked to any pastor about support. I just left that up to the Lord. I've talked more specifically now about projects and stuff, and we'll do that later about mm-hmm. raising funds for projects, things like that. But I, I absolutely, this is the thing about deputation. And let me know how you felt about this. I hate self-promotion, but that's what deputation is all about. Yeah. You're, you're promoting yourself but it's what, but you're God's instrument for the service he's called you to do. So you have to keep that in mind. So you're not exalting yourself, but you're exalting what God has called you to do. And when you remember that, and it's a little easier to talk about partnering with churches, but you do want to, you don't even have to bring up money. It's assumed if a pastor had you is having you in that they're considering you for support. You just want to display your passion for your calling 
and your urgency that I got to get there and make the people in the pew feel like, man, I want to go to this place, but since I can't go, I'm going to send this guy in my place. And if I have to increase my giving so we can send them, we're going to do it. And, uh, and if you just, you just prove the Lord every step and he takes care of you every step of the way. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's one of the more difficult things sometimes is that self-promotion. It's not something that should be innate in a, uh, Christian. It's, it's difficult because you don't want to propel yourself above others. But I know sometimes that's the nature of the beast when, especially when you're in a missions conference. But one of the things that we enjoyed, we really did enjoy well before we were on deputation, we were faithful supporters of missions and we loved hearing missionaries talk about their fields. And so it was a great joy to meet people going to Senegal, going to Hong Kong, going to El Salvador, going to China. And uh, I remember coming home many a times after uh, missionary conferences, and Holly and I would be like, wow, if we, if we weren't on this direction, we want to hook up with those guys and go serve the Lord there. And I think if you have that kind of spirit, the Lord's going to help you when it's your time to present your burden with passion. And then as far as talking to the pastors, I feel like when you're at the church serving, just serve. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about those things. There will be a time and a place when you're preparing to go to the field. If they've not already mentioned support where you can do a follow-up, I would do that. And I would say, hey, pastor, we're getting ready. We're packing our bags. We're getting ready to go. We're just following up to see if there's any chance that your church is going to be able to be a part of that. And, and guys would be honest with you. They'd say, hey, we can't. I, I believed them. I know we could, they couldn't. And there'd be times they would say, oh, hey, this guy's really getting ready to go. Yeah, I think we can get behind you. And I think having things in their proper time frame, don't worry about the money. The Lord will provide that if you're faithful. And uh, let me just add this. Josh and I were both very fortunate to get deputation done in a quick time. That was also before uh, 2008 when there was a big economic crash. That was also before COVID. Uh, So, you know, everyone's timing is different. But if you're following the Lord, it will be the perfect timing. And so you just do your part to be faithful to what he's called you to do, to connect with those churches, and the Lord will direct your steps. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And you... You want to make sure you have raised full support, you know, whatever your mission agency recommends. I honestly believe, and you're right, with it with the recession back in 2008, and honestly, I think we're heading that direction. We're going to see some major inflation here soon, and I think we're going to see some economic woes possibly in the near future here. But all that being said, America is still the wealthiest nation on earth. Um and like you said earlier in the podcast, Americans, especially especially Christians, especially in our, our churches, we, we have some of the greatest churches in America supporting mm-hmm. us in this work here. We could not be more grateful for the churches that we have behind us, and we couldn't be doing what we're doing without them. Wherever you're at, I really feel that just the way God has prospered America— Um, If you're passionate about your country, people will get behind you. They'll support your work. If you know God's called you, share your passion. I I really feel today that that money shouldn't be as big an issue as it used to be in the past for missionaries. There's so many things to worry about on the mission field. There's so many stress points and difficulties uh, that you need to go if you're a missionary raising support raise that full support. What I, what I tell some guys, some guys when they're getting started, they're like, oh man, it's, it seems like such a large number. I know with our mission agency, a large chunk of our support has to go to insurance. And some guys are like, well, if I went independent by myself, then I wouldn't have to pay that much in insurance. And I tell them, look, 
our, our mission board is is led by 40 local church pastors. They're the ones who set the policy. And so they don't mind you raising the extra funds to cover those expenses because of the experience they've seen of past of missionaries in the past right. not raising the funds and having a medical emergency. And so take all of those things into consideration and um, trust the Lord for the supply He'll and, and raise what you need and God will provide and, uh, and you'll see the Lord step-by-step taking care of you for sure. So I wanted, I was thinking as we, as we close out here, just talking as we finish up a little bit about how to communicate. I just wanted to touch a little bit on communicating what you're going to be doing. One of the challenges of deputation is you're up there presenting your vision, your call, but you're acting like you know what you're going to actually be doing when you get to the field. So what are, what are, there's two things I want to talk before we finish. And that is what were some of the expectations you built up on deputation that differed from the reality of your first term? But what, what were some of the differences? And then I wanted to talk about the cliche that most guys that we have to say, we're going to, the three things that every deputation missionary says, we're going to win souls, plant churches, uh, and disciple, make disciples. Okay, how can you personalize that? And were there any ways that you personalize those cliches to where you weren't just saying, obviously, that's what you're going to be doing. I mean, what else are you going to be doing? You're going to be planting churches, but do you know what that's going to look like yet? What are some ways that you prep or telling people what your ministry was going to look like in the Dominican Republic? So your pre-field, pre-deputation, what did you do to prep so you knew what you would tell people you were doing? And then was there anything, and don't get into too many details, we'll talk later, but was there anything on your first term just initially that differed from what you said you were going to do on deputation? So, yes, uh, the truth of it is I was blessed to come here a couple years before and do uh, about three months internship. So I had a good grasp of what the country was like, spent some time in the northern region where we were going to go minister. But we had put in our our presentation that we were going to come work the first basically one, two, three years with another couple before we would launch out to start our church. And just truth be told, it didn't work out that way. They were getting ready to transition off the field. And thankfully, we were able to see that wasn't going to work. This missionary said, hey, that's just not going to work the best for us. And so what the first thing was, we went straight to a city where we didn't know anybody. You know, we never spent any time really to get to know anybody ahead of time. And so we went from, we're going to have these two years to go drive around and check things out to, we're living there. But the Lord put that in our heart. I remember talking to another missionary saying, hey, is that a good idea? He said, look, if you lead some people to the Lord this year, that's people were getting led to the Lord. He didn't, weren't going to be led to the Lord if you didn't go that year. I'm like, oh, that's pretty smart and that's pretty uh, logical there. So starting off, we really had you know, some ideas. We had seen other missionaries in the Dominican starting churches. But our expectations were, well, let's just start telling others about Jesus. Let's Find a place to rent. Let's get started. I remember the first couple months, I didn't have a church building, but we had picked out our church name. And so I'd go downtown to the city city square where most of the hubbub was happening. I'd be talking to people about the Lord. And uh, they, they would see on the back of the track, it said Iglesia Bautista La Verdad, Truth Baptist Church. And they said, well, where is that church? I said, well, don't worry about where that church is. Let me just tell you about Jesus right now. Because we didn't have a place to meet yet. They, they didn't, we didn't have church services yet. But right. the expectation, I think, um, was we need to see people led to the Lord. We did that. 
We got a spot. We did that. And every step we just said, well, let's just do the next thing we know. And so I think early on we came from a background where you set your, you set your five-year goals, your 10-year goals, your 20-year goals. And after about two years I realized, well, I don't know that these really mean anything more than let's just stick right. to what we know to do, which is let's keep preaching the gospel Let's start discipleship. You wouldn't believe how many times I have started discipleship and never got past lesson five, six, or seven, we'll say. And I think early on that was very discouraging to me. People who didn't have jobs, didn't really have any good reason not to continue discipleship, just for whatever reason wouldn't. And so I think those first couple of years I realized my job is to just keep going after people, keep trying to disciple them, to keep trying to grow them in the Lord, and then the Lord will morph that ministry. And so from the beginning, we thought we were going to be working with another missionary couple. We went on our own. From the beginning, I thought everybody who started discipleship would finish it. Not, not always the case. But you know what happened? A church grew. Eventually more church planners came out. And we just we stayed the, we put the main thing, the main thing, and stayed that course. And the Lord filled in the blanks along the way. That's so important. And I think we'll we'll spend another podcast talking about uh not letting expectations drive you or goals you set prior to going to the field to drive you but to let the lord drive you step by step really you're you're fulfilling the book of acts i love that the book of acts doesn't have kind of a a finish it doesn't like the end because we're still fulfilling the acts of the apostles. We're still continuing the work of evangelism. That's right. And it's the Holy Spirit's work. And so if you're if you're just starting out on deputation, get as much experience on the field you're going to as you can. And then don't be afraid to let pastors know I don't know what every step is going to look like on the field. I just I know what God's called me to do and emphasize the opportunity in your country. Look at this opportunity. Look at it. Don't exaggerate. You know, I, I roll my eyes anytime you hear a, a, a missionary say there's, there's no other, you know, gospel preaching church. Well, you know, is, is that true? Is it, is it really true? So you don't have to exaggerate the opportunity, be realistic, but, but let pastors know, you know, this is going to be a learning term, our first term. And, and we'll talk more about it, but when you set high expectations on yourself um, and you should set high expectations of discipline and, and right. you know, doing what God's called you to do. But when you set certain expectations of what you're going to produce your mm-hmm. first term and then it doesn't happen, um, it can be discouraging. And so just the only expectation we set for our first term was we're there to learn. You know, for deputation, I'll just finish it with that. Learn, learn to communicate your passion uh, your calling. And um, I think you were going to mention as you close out, what audience are you normally addressing when you're on deputation? This is something I I didn't expect, but then, you know, it's fun. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that we're for, uh, now that we're veteran missionaries, we don't speak to this audience as much, no. but I loved it. I love speaking to this audience and this demographic, but uh, this is something most guys don't think about and you got to be ready for it. So what's the main demographic in the churches that you spoke to when you were on deputation? Well, it's funny, especially when you're maybe uh, involved in a conference. We were surprised, even though we 
we see this in our own home church, how often missionaries would not only speak to young people, but really young people, like five, six, seven to 12-year-olds. And so maybe that's something we aren't thinking about as we're starting deputation, but you have a chance to plant the seed of being a missionary to a young person. Uh, and so you, you need to be prepared for that with messages, interactions. We started something dynamically when we did it. I called it Dominican dum-dums. Basically, I would tell them facts about the Dominican, and if they answered questions correctly, I'd give them a little dum-dum, you know, candy. My wife was good at getting color sheets. But, you know, that was something we adapted by watching other missionaries because we kind of at first were like, whoa, we got to talk to a lot of uh, younger groups. And uh, I think we kind of thought we were going to be talking to the adults all the time. And so I think realizing you're going to have the influence on little kids. Take that opportunity to get them excited about being a missionary. And so I just wanted to add that little caveat in there. Yeah, definitely. You want make it tangible. It may, let them, you know, touch something and feel something and see something from your country. And, and you're, mm-hmm. you are going to be speaking to a lot of kids. You want those kids going home and all they annoy their parents about is your country and your, what you're, where you're going and all this <laughs> so that you know, it's ingrained in their mind, in your mind, and uh, you never know the influence you ha- will have uh, later in life. I kind of miss that on furlough, speaking to that the kids and stuff. I, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that and having fun with them. Learn, learn to simplify your message when you speak to kids, but, but take it up a notch on your excitement and on your passion. And uh, don't look at it as, well, does the past, pastor just doesn't trust us, you know, to speak to the adults. Well, that's part of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of missionaries, especially missionaries <laughs> that aren't, that aren't very, uh, haven't been on the field for that long or very tactful that, um, yeah, you can't expect, I wouldn't expect the pastor, he, this guy, he doesn't even know coming into his church. He's not going to give you his pulpit and you shouldn't expect it. Right. Um, so don't have an attitude about that. Definitely. Uh, right. just Take whatever group you're given to speak with and, and just give it 100% uh, sharing that. So ha- have a message ready for kids. Have a message ready for teenagers. Have one ready for adults. And stick to mission. Stay on topic. I, I've sat in where, yeah. whether it's a veteran missionary or a missionary on deputation, and they're talking about all everything under the sun. And it's like, man, you're here to just talk mm-hmm. about missions. Talk about your mission field. Just stick to the book of Acts, you know, and just you're not there to fix everybody's problems and talk <laughs> about current current events and things like that. And share stories. Learn Learn stories about, you know, get, get a repertoire of stories from your mission field of what God is doing. Uh, people want to hear stories from the mission field. So intertwine that with your message and, and uh, just make where your country, your calling, make it the greatest thing in the world. Because honestly, it is. There's nothing I'd rather be doing than being a missionary uh, here in Senegal, West Africa. And I know right. there's nowhere else you guys would rather be than serving in the Dominican Republic. So, well, I hope uh, some of these principles, I hope That's some right. of these experiences will be a blessing. If anybody has any questions, maybe more questions about deputation, questions uh, for further topics, please feel free to contact us. Eric, you have anything to add before we close out? One of my favorite things that happened when we were deputation, we were talking to little kids, was one mother came and said, uh, we asked our child, what country were those missionaries that spoke to you last night? And she said, Oh, those are the Johnsons. They are missionaries to the Democrats and the Republicans, not the Dominican <laughs> Republic. So awesome. I always remember that story. That made me laugh. And uh, <laughs> that was maybe prof- prophetic where we should be uh, doing the mission field. But I just want to say, deputation, listen, make it fun. Make it fun. One day you're going to look back and you're going to think, 
man, I sure wish I was going to church to church and they were taking me out to lunch. I get to meet new people. Make it fun because the Lord puts it in your time, in your, in, your, in your world for a time. And instead of looking forward, be there now and enjoy what the Lord has for you. That's right. And, you know, whether it takes two years, three years, four years to raise support, just put it into context. When the Apostle Paul had to travel from one place to the other, it took him months just to get from one city to another to preach. So if you add up all the time that the apostles back then took just to travel, even missionaries, you know, a, a century ago, we just jump on a plane literally in eight hours from JFK. We're in Senegal. And so uh, just look at it as wow. however long it takes, stick with it. If this is God's calling in your life, stick it out. God will see you through it. Uh, get get the funds you need, make the partnerships, and uh, you won't regret getting those partners as you get to the country and the field that you're going to be serving in. Well, about that about concludes our discussion today on the uh, topic of deputation or pre-field ministry. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe to our podcast, uh, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or Podbean. There's all kinds of different platforms that we're making this available on. Be sure to leave a five-star review that helps us in the ratings. And uh, head over to Facebook, facebook.com slash missionaryperspective and uh, you can interact with us online there. You can send in questions and uh, we'll share announcements and articles and uh, just stay in touch with us and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. This is Josh Mead from Senegal, West Africa. And this is Eric Johnson from the Dominican Republic. God bless and have a great day.